I want to pray before we move into this because um, you, you, I'm sure you're aware of this, but any truth that we get in here, it's, it's, it's because of the Holy Spirit. It's by his help. So let's just stop and ask him for that because I want deeper revelation for myself as well. Ah, Father, thank you that um, your plan was always that when Jesus came to pay the price for us, that as he left, there would be a comfort or a counselor that would come, and that's, and that's you, Holy Spirit. And so we give you access to our hearts. That's the prayer right there. We give you access to our hearts. And we say, Holy Spirit, would you bring revelation that changes us? We don't want information that just floats around. We want revelation that touches us to the core of our being and changes who we are. We want truth, the truth that comes from heaven. We need it. We need you. Jesus, you are the truth. You are the truth. And so even tonight as we talk about you, Jesus, we're, we're just inviting you. Make yourself so real to us. <sighs> yeah, that was good. Amen. That was good. So tonight we're going to look at this core value. I'm going to teach half of it. Susan, as differentiated from my wife, Suzanne, just to keep things clear. But Pastor Elder Susan's going to come up and teach the second half of this. And tonight we're going to, we're going to end with communion. Um, and I, it's going to be really special. We're going to do some, some, I, I believe, and we, we already believe ahead of time. The Lord, the Lord wants to do something extra special during that time to really, uh, capture our hearts and bring this truth in so deep. So, um, this is what we value. We value celebrating our freedom and our healing that's paid for in full by Jesus. That's our, that's our core value. That's one of our core values. Most of you know that I, I love talking about the Father's love, right? If you know me for long, you know I can't give a message without talking about how much God as a father, Abba, Papa, loves you, adores you. But I got to tell you, this is another message I love teaching, which is the fullness, everything that Jesus finished on the cross. And let me tell you something. I don't think we're anywhere close to getting it yet. So intellectually, we, we, we get more and more pieces. Yeah, Jesus did something pretty amazing. He forgave me. But I want to tell you, it is so much more complete than we understand but I want greater understanding. I want greater revelation. That's why we ask the Lord to bring it, to bring it to us tonight. On the cross, this is, this is the last thing that Jesus said before he gave up his spirit. It's in John 19, 30. It is, he said, it is finished. It is fulfilled. That's another way of saying that word. It's, it's fulfilled. In other words, Father, everything you had me to do everything, every reason I came to the earth is completed. I did it all. So we're going to figure out, we're going to look a little bit in scripture and figure out what that it is finished means. Before we go there though, I want to tug on your heartstrings a little. I'm going to show you a, a clip of a video, but the reason why is, is that I, I want us again to get in touch. It's a song we all know well, but I want us to get in touch with some of the images again of what, what Jesus actually did. It was a real man who went through incredible suffering that you and I actually wouldn't even, wouldn't even know. And it really happened. So let's just do this and then we're going to see what the scriptures say. Jesus, <clears throat> we just need to stop and give you the honor that you do. We sang about it. We, we do glorify you. We, we acknowledge that, um, that you, are the, you are the Son of God. You are 
the one who died for us. You are the one who is alive. And Jesus, you alone, you alone are the one in, in heaven that the, you know, that the four living creatures are around, that the, that the elders are casting their, their crowns down at your feet. We'll be there too. And there's saints there now. And you are the one, Jesus, that deserves <coughs> all of the glory, all of the honor, all of the praise. And we just, we give you that right now, Jesus. Thank you that because you have come and rescued us, because you chose to love us, that our life right now is, is simply a response to that love. That's all, that's all it is. It's a response to this overwhelming love that you have displayed towards us. So thank you, Jesus. We do thank you. We thank you. I want to. Um, I want to look at scripture tonight. Tonight, in particular, I want to. I want to let scripture preach um, because because it's so clear. It's so um, what Jesus did goes beyond words that I have. Obviously, it goes beyond what I know yet. I'm, I'm understanding more and more and more, but I'm saying the scriptures here, every time I un, un open these up again, as I got ready for this message, I all over again, I get, I get overwhelmed with the goodness of God, overwhelmed with what Jesus actually finished for me. When I was watching this at home, I mean, I'm just sobbing, you know, at home. It just, this is a message that never gets old because it's all about love. And it's all about what Jesus has done for us. And I want to, I want to read from Hebrews 10. And this is a long, a long chunk of scripture here. Verses 5 through 18, because it's, it's so good. He, the book of Hebrews is an, ex, is a great book to read. Last week I gave you some other chapters to go back and read. This, this week I want to tell you, if you want to get the reality of what Christ did on the cross, Hebrews is a great book to read. If you haven't read it in a long time, go back. And remember how good this is. And in, in Hebrews 10, the author begins to say, look at, there was an old system of law that never was good enough. And, and, and Jesus came to replace that system. And so here I'm going to pick it up in verse five. It says, so when Jesus came into the world, Jesus said that he belongs is, is about Jesus. Jesus said, and he's talking to the father. You have to understand what's going on here. Jesus said, he's saying, Father, sacrifices and offerings were not what you wanted. But instead, you wanted a body that you prepared for me. See, the Father prepared a body, Jesus, to live in a body. And this was going to be the offering. Burn offerings and sin offerings were not what pleased you. He's talking about the old covenant of the way to, uh, for, for the old covenant. The old covenant was, was basically in a nutshell, people trying to be good because they had the laws. We're going to try to hold to these laws to be good. And because they could not do it and because God knew they could not do it, there was a sacrificial system. At least by having a lamb, a, a, an innocent lamb being slain, there was something within their sense of justice inside of them that said, well, I know I'm wrong. I can't do anything to change this, but at least somebody suffered. Something suffered to somehow make it right. I, I know it doesn't make perfect sense to us, but there's a, that thing of justice inside of us that says somebody has to pay. And Jesus is the one that said, Father, I will pay. I'll be the justice for everybody. And so it says, then he said, I said, this is Jesus. Then I said, see, Father, I have come to do your will as it is inscribed of me in this, in the scroll of the book. He goes on. Now, when it says, the author goes on. Now, when it says that God doesn't want and takes no real pleasure in sacrifices, burn offerings, and sinner offerings, even though the law, the old law, calls for them, and follows this with, Jesus says, see, I have come to do your will. He effectively takes away the first animal sacrifice in order to establish the second, more perfect sacrifice. Before I read that last verse, what this is saying is, Jesus wasn't an add-on. It wasn't that the old thing is, well, it's kind of working, but Jesus will make it better. No, the old way of, 
of trying to be good on our own is scratched and done away with. And the old way of, of somebody having to pay somewhere, that's gone because Jesus, the new way, Jesus paying for all of us, the justice that was due to make, for all of the wrongs ever done, one person, one perfect, innocent person, Jesus, who fulfilled every single one of the 600 plus laws in the Bible while he was on the earth for you. He finished that for you. It is finished. I did it for you. That will never again be the way that you measure up to God. That standard is gone. There's a new one. And that's relationship with me because I'm going to make my home inside of you. My spirit right inside of you. So here it is. Verse 10. By God's will. By God's will. The Father wanted this. By God's will, we are made holy. Through the offering of the body of Jesus, the anointed, once and for all. Can you read that with me? By God's will, we are made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus, the anointed, once and for all. Once and for all time. You know what that means? He is never getting up on that cross again. Because there is nothing more He can do. And there's nothing more He needs to do. He did it all. He paid the full price. You and I get to go free. This better be... Remember our, our core value as we celebrate this? I'm telling you, somebody in this room as we get go along better get happy. I'm serious, serious. Because... because This is exceptionally good news. Now, let me read more. In the first covenant, everybody say old covenant. Okay, in the first covenant, the old covenant, every day, every officiating priest stands at his post serving, offering over and over those same sacrifices that can never take away sin. Are you as tired as I am saying this? Honestly, he wrote this to make it sound exhausting because it was. It was like, will this ever end? And the answer was no. Not until Jesus came. It was exhausting. We're just going to keep off. We don't know what else to do. We're just going to offer, offer these sacrifices. But they still can't take away sin. How frustrating. Do you know the whole world was in frustration before Jesus came? Did you know there was silence in the Bible? There were about 400 years from Malachi to when Jesus came, 400 years. That's, I don't, how many generations is that? A lot. Is it 10? Is it 20? I don't know. A lot. Generation after generation of Lord, when are you going to show up? This is dismal. And then he shows up. This is why the angels were going berserko. You know what we, at Christmas time, right? The angels are just going crazy. He's here. After all these years of, of, of this, of the same sacrifices that aren't doing anything. But after Jesus stepped up, verse 12, but after Jesus stepped up to offer his single sacrifice for sins for all time, there it is again, he sat down. Once he did that, he sat down in the position of honor at the right hand of God. Since then, he has been waiting for the day when he rests his feet on his enemies' backs. As the psalm says, with one perfect offering. Can you say one perfect offering? With one perfect offering, Jesus has perfected forever those who are being made holy. Now let me say something. There's a couple, there's two ways of reading the scripture. You could say, well, that means we're not holy yet because it says being made holy. My scripture actually says those who are, believe it or not. I like this version, not because it says what I want it to say, but because it already said in the previous one that he has made us holy. What this is saying is, it's not saying that you're not holy once you receive Jesus. His holiness is your holiness. That's the way it is. That's the exchange, his life for your life, right? But what this is saying is, is that, is that Jesus has perfected forever. That's past tense. He's already perfected. Those 
who are being made holy. Meaning, he's already said to the world, my sacrifice is enough for, for the forgiveness of every single person on this earth. As you believe me, that's the key in the kingdom. It's believing. Jesus, I believe who you are. I believe you did this for me. As you do this, you are the next one who's who's made holy. Is that making sense? In other words, more and more and more are being made holy. Not because Jesus hasn't done the work, but because more and more people's eyes are being opened up by the Spirit to see what Jesus has done. And they walk into the kingdom and they are holy. They are holy because Jesus has made them holy. You are holy. And when you look at your actions that to you don't seem very holy, I'm telling you, you're looking at the wrong thing. Because what you're doing is you're you're reinforcing. You're saying, well, that can't be true of me because I'm looking at my actions that don't measure up with that. That has nothing to do with truth. Truth is, Lord, who do you say that I am? And the more you hear his voice and the more he says who you are, you begin to walk in that truth. And therefore, the things that don't line up with the truth that you are holy, you are righteous, you are faultless. Every one of these is in Scripture. You are. And the things that don't line up with those, with those, more and more, you, you realize that's not who I am. This is inconsistent with the real me. It's incongruent. You were made to be congruent. That means right here, solid, singular, aligned from heaven, what the Father says about you and how you live it out. One single line that does not change. I'm congruent through and through. That's where God is taking us. So is there a process involved? Yes, there is. There is a process of understanding truth and believing truth and receiving truth. But I'm telling you, that truth is what changes you. Jesus said, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Are you getting this? So, because when we turn it back into the old system, which is, God, I'm going to try to be good good enough for you, we're going to go right back to verse 11. Over and over. I mean, it's exhausting because you can't do it. And God says to you, son, daughter, I'm not interested in you trying to clean yourself up for me. That was never the deal. So let me just finish this. This is the last couple of verses. As the Holy Spirit keeps keeps testifying. See, remember the Holy Spirit? He's the one that keeps telling us truth, right? Over and over. <coughs> Excuse me. He keeps testifying to us through the prophet Jeremiah. After he says, but when those days are over, says the Eternal One, I hope this is making sense. The author is quoting Jeremiah, but Jeremiah was a prophet. So he's saying, listen, this is what God said before it even happened. When those days are over, and by the way, when Jesus came, those days are over. We're living in those days. When those, when those old days are over, says the eternal one, I will make this kind of covenant with the people of Israel. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds... I will erase their sins and wicked acts out of my memory as though they had never existed. Yes. Are you feeling this? Oh my goodness. I was feeling a rush of the Holy Spirit. Like he is happy because I'm telling you something. Jesus paid everything for this. And so if we aren't giving him his due by actually saying it the way it is, he doesn't get the full glory. When we cheapen grace by, by saying that, well, really Jesus did this, but really it's about me trying to be, you know, a good Christian, we kind of ruin the whole thing. Right? Je- this is something Jesus did. I will erase their sins and wicked acts out of my memory as though it never existed. And when there is forgiveness such as this, like crazy forgiveness like this, there is no longer any need to make an offering for sin. I don't know how much more clear this gets. And I'm telling you, I picked one scripture. I could have blitzed everything. I got a couple other short ones before I turned it over to Susan. But I said, no, I want to actually take a chunk and show you where it's described so you could see this for yourself. Now check this out. The last two verses in in the mirror translation. We're going to read verse 17 and 18 again. The last two verses there, we're going to read in the mirror. Here it is. 
This is final. I have, this is God talking to us. I have deleted the record of your sins and misdeeds. I no longer recall them. Sins were dealt with in such a thorough manner that no further offerings would ever again be required. Nothing that we can personally sacrifice could add further virtue, virtue to our innocence. Wow. You see, the gospel does not compute with our minds. When I'm saying these things, your mind is going, yeah, but what about, but what about, but what about? Your spirit, let your spirit take this one in. That, that you are declared innocent. That's what justification means. You're declared innocent. You're saying, Brent, how can that be? I know I'm not. And I will say, here's the deal. There's no evidence against you. By God's choice, by the Father's will. It's, this is good stuff. Here, here it is. Here's in Romans 4. 25 to 5 2. This is what I talked about innocent. We believe in him who raised, we believe in him, that's the Father, who raised from the dead our Lord Jesus, who was handed over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. He died so that sin no longer, we are no longer identified with sin. The things that we do that are not true to our original identity, that no longer defines us. But he was raised. So he's in, he's now in the grave. Our sins are forgiven. He paid the full price, but he still had to be raised from the dead. There had to be, he had to come back to life with the father. Why? Because he's our advocate and he's the one that comes back to the father and says, father, I did what you asked. Now you, you get to do what you said you would do. Remember their sins no more because justification means that you have already been tried in a court of law and you've already been found not guilty. Not guilty. Now here's the thing. What are you going to do with this grace? Grace is true the way I said it. I, I give no apologies. I know grace, when you, when you share it the way it really is, something about it almost sounds wrong. And people say, well, what? Ah, it sounds like you're just giving people permission to go and just do whatever they want to do. Well, you know what? That's not my permission. That's God's permission. He gave you a free will. But let me ask you something. What are you going to do with this grace? What are you going to do with this man, Jesus, who gave everything for you and said, you are worth it. You're worth it. What needs to leave is the guilt and the shame of, I haven't been good enough. That will never cause you to be this congruent person that walks out who you are. Guilt and shame causes you just to go further down into the mud. That's exactly what it does. But instead, I'll tell you what changes you. Love changes you. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that, you, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. It's love that came and got you. It's, it's, it's a father's love. It's a savior's love. Holy Spirit's love. They want you. And so the way you become whole, the way you are designed is that you fall deeper and deeper in love with the one who has always wanted you. And, and you begin to re- look in the eyes of his love and, and see who you are. This is how it works. Two more verses. I'm handing it over. I think how we're doing. Yeah, we're good. Second Peter 1, 4. This, this one will blow you away. It should. It ought to. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Let this one sink in because I didn't say it. Well, I repeated it, but this is, this is Peter. This is Peter who made some real mistakes when he was following Jesus, right? But then the resurrected Jesus came to Peter. And the Holy Spirit started made his home inside of Peter. And Peter started getting things he never got before. And he said, oh, through the promises, through agreeing what God, with what God says about who we are, we're going to share in the divine nature. That means God shares his glory with us. People will say, 
they'll they'll quote the verse um, I don't I don't share my glory with another. That's the Old Testament, by the way. However, what do you do with that verse? How, guess what? When you said yes to Jesus, you became one with Him. So you're not another. Christ said, you are my body. We are one. I and the Father are one. This is John chapter 18, right? I and the Father are one, 17. And and you and I are one. And may you all be one just as me and the Father were one. He's not sharing his glory with another. You you are the body of Christ. You are, you are, he has parceled out his glory in every single one of you. Now here's the thing. Know who you are. Know what you carry. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Some of you are thinking, I don't remember escaping. <laughs> Can we be real? Because I'll tell you what, the world, the world seems is, is pretty, um, I don't know what, no holds barred, you know? The world's going to throw it at you. The devil's going to throw some stuff at you, right? And it seems like there's all this stuff flying around like, wow, I got to say no to a lot of things in the world in order to say yes to Jesus. <clears throat> Can I tell you something? The more you fall in love with him, the easier it's going to be to say no to the things that are going to destroy you. And here's the thing. He, he, this is what we've got to get. This is the thing about truth. He has already, he has already freed you from the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. He really has. He's already done it for you. It's just that our, our thinking when it's wrong thinking, it tra- entraps us. It ensnares us back in that cage there because it causes us to think, well, I've got this horrible problem. I can't do anything about it. The world is constantly doing, you know, providing all these temptations, whatever it is, and we start agreeing with the wrong thing that's not true about us. So instead, when we start to get real, not only looking at the Lord, but also when we, when we decide to open up our hearts to other believers, those who know Jesus, and say, can you help me see who I really am? You're, I'm telling you, once you start opening up your heart to people, you're going you're gonna to be that one walking out away from the, the what you thought was the cage and realizing, wow, I, I really am free. You are. You are free. Can you just say, I am free? free. See, you just agreed with truth. Even if you don't feel like it, even if your brain says, oh, but what about this and that? I am free is a true statement. It is. And... This is the last verse that I want to show you. This is John 14, 12. Jesus said, you will do even greater works than me. This scripture blew me away when I finally came to grips with the the truth, the fact that Jesus meant exactly what he said. I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to do whatever you ask in my name. Meaning when you and I are, when, when you are aware of your oneness with me, you start to, to launch out as I do, you and I doing it together, and you begin to ask for the very things that I want for you. And you and I, we're going to go heal people. You get to do what Jesus did. You get to encourage. You get to love. You also get to heal the sick. You also get to raise the dead. It's in Scripture. I'm not making this stuff up. You get to do these things because Jesus said you would. But again, I want to say what we believe is so crucial because if we don't believe we get to do this stuff, well, then we don't even step out to try. But you do. So I wanted to end with this only because because Jesus has set you free. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You are cleansed. You are right with God because he said so. But... I ask the question, what are you going to do with that? Because you carry the divine nature. And I'm saying, you get to do what Jesus did because Christ is in you. Hey, that's good news. So, so we're going to hear part two and then we're going to have communion. But this is Susan Folkler.
Yeah, thanks, Brent. Um, so the part I want to share is what this love feels like, tastes like, looks like. I think um, sometimes, if you're like me, I mean, I have a very strong left brain. I like to reason things, rationalize things, figure things out. Sometimes it's easy just to think, well, God's just very loving, but in a really big way. But I think it's important to know that the love of God is qualitatively far beyond, far different than what we're accustomed to in the limitations of mere human love. Wow, a love as big as God that would say, I am leaving heaven to limit myself and to live life just like they do, with the same struggles, with the same limitations, with the same pain, facing everything just like they do. And I'm not going to have a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. I'm going to have to walk through it for 33 years. That's the kind of love we don't that human nature just is not in and of itself capable of. The love with which he loves you is is so beyond what left brain can conceive of that, you know, it's very easy to kind of bring it down to, you know, the level we could kind of understand, figure out. He understands that about us. He understands. Um, so, oh, can we go back? Do I do that? There it is. Yeah. So unconditional the unconditional love, the unconditional oh, grace of God. Lord, I just want to pray for all of us, for me first and for all of us, to give us a, a deeper revelation of what this means, the unconditional quality of the love with which you love us. How oh, would you help us experientially receive and understand this in a new way tonight, God, I ask? Because we need it. We need it. Hey. We need it. Hey, we need it, Jesus. Oh, oh, all that you are and all that we are in you is based on this, this amazing supernatural love, God. And I ask that you'd give us more tonight. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you. You want it more than we do. <laughs> so unconditional. I just want to look at that for a minute. It might un be easier to understand if you think about what conditional means. Conditional um, love, conditional um, circumstances. There are limitations. There are rules. There are regulations. You run into sort of boundary lines. You run out. There's only a limit of how much when you have conditions on a substance, on a thing. Unconditional love means this is limitless. This means that every day of his life will... Every day of all of eternity, God has loved you with the same measure, the same quality, the same amount of limitless love. He doesn't run out. He doesn't have a day where he's like, not feeling it today. We do. We have days we're not feeling it. We, we just do. He doesn't. Like Danny Silk talks about keeping your love on. God's like, there's never even, he never even has to make that choice. His love is always on and his love is on for you on your worst days and his love is on for you on your best days it never stops we think maybe it does because we see people you know we can't we have a harder time always keeping our love on but his love is always on for you it is not in any way dependent on your behavior or re your responses or your reactions whether you had a good day, whether you had a bad day, whether you remember to pray, whether you remember to read your Bible, whether you remember to talk to your neighbor about Jesus. Unconditional. That's what his love is for you. So we're going to look at that a little bit more tonight. Ha! Ah, I did it. Yay. Yay. Um, yeah, I want to look at Isaiah 55. This has always been a very powerful scripture to me, a very powerful message about 
the unconditional quality, the flow of this river of life, this river of love, this river of essence of all that God is for us, that he pours out free for anyone who wants to receive without conditions. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come by and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without price. Only what God freely gives to us satisfies us. Only what is unconditional is really the thing that fills that void down deep inside. When we try to justify, obtain what we think we deserve what we think we're worthy of, it it never satisfies us in any way. We weren't designed for the things that we can measure, that we can do in our own strength or ability. We were not designed for those things to ever fully meet us. We were designed with this, oh, space inside that requires one thing, to know that we know that we know we're enough. And that one thing is his love, the love that came down to earth and said, I'm going to do it for you and with you. So you will know every day of your life you are never alone. I walk with you stride for stride. You are never alone doing this. That is the love of God. And going on in Isaiah 55, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich foods. So many things we try and do in this world to try and kind of scratch that itch inside that sense of identity, that sense of purpose, that sense of worth. Since childhood, we've been trying to do this thing. Surely, if I just do enough, if I prove myself, it'll be there somewhere. There'll be enough. We learn that we need to prove ourselves. We need to measure up. We need to compare. We need to figure out where we are, you know, elbow out the other people, figure out where, where we are. In the pecking order, he says, "Uh uh-uh, who you are is enough. I have just as much for you as I have for anybody else. And it's supposed to look like different in you because you are your own individual container for God's love. And every single container in this room is unique and different. The world doesn't get that. The world likes to measure and compare. But all of you qualify All of you measure up because all of you were God's idea first. First. He's had his eye on you forever saying, I really, oh, I want you to get this. I want you to see how I feel about you, how much I adore you, how much I love you. I like what it says in, um, in the message, that scripture. Why do you spend your money on junk food? Your hard-earned cash on cotton candy that just rots out your teeth. (laughs) But we do. We do. We can spend long years and lots of energy on things to try and fill it up. And God's just standing there with open arms going, I adore you. You fill my world. You're enough. Being you, so enough. I'm moving on uh, Isaiah 55. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. So what's it, why is he bringing up David here? I think if you'll look at the Old Testament... David was tapped to be the king, right? But if you remember that story where Samuel came to David's house, it was Jesse was his dad, and he had, David had all these bigger brothers. When Samuel came to 
anoint David to be king. David wasn't there, and, and Samuel's going through all the big brothers. No, not that one. No, not that one. No, not that one. No, not that one. Come on, there's got to be another brother. And, and they're all like, just David. He's a little squirt. He's a little guy. He's a nobody. He's out there hanging with the sheep. You don't, it's not, David is not the king. He was a very unlikely one. His whole family didn't think he was much of anything. But here we, we see a sure, the sure love for David. God called David out of the most unlikely place and said, you are going to be king. Nobody's going to believe it. Little guy with a big <laughs> slingshot. <laughs> but we're like that too. We're like, Little guy, maybe not much according to the world's view, but God sees you, who you really are. Not in any way the way the world would measure or look upon you. You are exactly who you're supposed to be. You are seen through the eyes of love that never ends. The love that says, hey, I have got everything you need. I am everything you need. Those limits you've put on your life, those limited ways you viewed yourself are completely inconsistent with the love with which I've loved you. All limits are off. From the heaven's perspective on your life. Goes on, this is talking more about um, just like David... Just like David, each one of you, behold, you shall call a nation you do not know. And a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Just like Brent was talking a little bit ago, because of the value Jesus has ascribed to your life. You are going to change this world exactly how he has flavored you to do. Exactly how he has put together your personality, your way of seeing things, your way of looking upon the, um, on things, processing things, the way you get excited about this or that, your sense of humor. God just wants to fill that with his love and just what, what flows out is going to absolutely expand his kingdom on earth. You being you, with his love, that's all that's needed. That's all that's needed. We have a hard time, however, receiving that which doesn't seem deserved, that which we don't seem worthy of. We want to feel like didn't I earn this? Don't I deserve this? I, I prayed a big enough prayer. I hear from people all the time when they're coming for sozos. Well, what should I do? Should I fast? What should I be doing? I usually try and encourage them. You know, the best thing you could do is spend time worshiping and being grateful. Fast if that helps you draw near. Okay. But the doing, the fasting, the praying, the reading the lots of the Bible, those can be good things. They can be good things. But if we're doing them, to prove that we are worth something or that we deserve something as a consequence, we're probably not going to get what we think we should. It's much more about simply opening up our heart and receive what we can never deserve. Opening up our heart. Ah, Could it be this good? Really? Could it be this free? Come by, eat without money, without spending anything to deserve it? Our world doesn't use that kind of language at all, does it? This is completely countercultural. This doesn't make sense. Accepting what we cannot understand. And I think that's why in Isaiah 55, um, it goes on to say this, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. Just get over it. Just get over yourselves, okay? You are not going to get this. This really doesn't make sense. Doesn't. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. But (laughs) he's so willing, able, 
to help us get it at ever increasingly deeper levels. But it's okay if we don't get it fully. (laughs) That's what he's saying here. You're never going to fully get it, ever. Get to the place where we fully comprehend the love that's in the heart of God. For a people that most of the time don't give him a lot of attention or notice. And yet he says, but I love you and I adore you. You are mine. I called you mine before you could even imagine I existed. I called you mine. That's how much he loves us. We can't fix, self-help, numb, entertain, busy, or medicate ourselves enough to satisfy the yearning of our souls. I truly believe we are hardwired for communion with God. We were designed to be in that kind of connection with him, where he becomes the center of everything. And I know this has been my prayer for some time, and I'm still on a journey to discover it, where I want to learn to live from a place where it is from him continuously instead of kind of, oh, yeah, God, I want to invite you into this place. I want it to be more, you know, more my just my, oh, no, from him and not just kind of, oh, let me remember to pray and invite you into this thing. More and more we're getting there, aren't we, where we're learning to live from the spirit, hey, live from the spirit and our soul is getting nurtured from our spirit man because that's the way it was designed to be because our spirit man's already up there seated in heavenly places and we start getting hold of that more and more and more we're not so worried about the the soul having a little hiccup here or there because our soul our spirit is living in the supernatural eternal realm where we see the beginning from the end and we realize oh we really are going from glory to glory and having a bad day here or there does not interfere with that process okay so even right now i'm just going to ah, want to pray a release over some of you are holding holding something over yourself. You're holding a bad day over yourself. You're holding, maybe I messed up a relationship. I did something, I said something that really messed up that relationship. And it's just going to mess things up forevermore. I um, I did something I shouldn't have done at work. I, I don't know what it is. But if you are right now holding something against yourself, and believing that this thing is keeping me from a closer connection with God. This thing is keeping me from being able to receive. I just give you, I ask for just, God, would you give grace right now for us to let that thing go? Recognizing they've already been forgiven by you. You look at them and say, I don't even see that anymore. Why are you so worried about that? I'm not even looking at that anymore. And just breathe in right now. The unconditional flow of infinite, ever-flowing, never-ceasing love that says, I love you just as much in this moment as ever. Just receive it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He fully meets you. He fully satisfies you. I think we end up in addiction sometimes because we're so aware of that op- of that emptiness inside. We are looking for something, somewhere, to fill that thing. I know I used to have an eating disorder. I felt so empty inside. It just seemed like nothing could fill that emptiness, that desperate emptiness, and that desperate shame I walked in of, I don't want anybody to know about this. Because we are designed to be filled with what's infinite and never set and never ceases and always flows. The love of God, which tells me it is available to you always because we need it always. 
whether we feel it or not. We accept, we access it by experience when we're in that, that sort of that season where we're able to experience it and we access it by faith. If we're in a season where we're having a hard time experiencing it, it is always available to us. It has to be by definition of who he is. So I just want to finish off with um, one more scripture from Ephesians 2, one of my favorite scriptures. Russ and I um, spent a number of years going to Burning Man um, to minister the love of God, which was a wonderful, wonderful time, actually. Just amazing. I love how the New Agers know how to receive they're amazing. They're, we, we Christians could sometimes learn, <laughs> sometimes a little too open to receiving. But um, this one particular time, a woman, Melissa is her name, was her name, came in and she was very feeling very desperate, very alone, had gone through some tough stuff. Relationships were blowing up and she was absolutely desperate and ready to receive whatever God would give her. And as we ministered to her, I think... Um, we didn't use a whole lot of words because God's presence showed up so powerfully. Um, for a couple hours, she was just huddled in fetal position for several hours. And now and then we'd say a little something and check in with her. And um, it was clear God was doing a very, very deep, very deep work in her. And when she finally kind of a couple hours later kind of came to again, she just kind of was all cuddled up in fetal fetal position she just opened up like a blooming flower and said it's his unconditional love he had taken her back in utero and just started ministering to her generational lines just just undoing and unraveling all the lies and all the torment and all the feelings of rejection just from in utero on And he took her to every memory of her life and completely healed. She got it. It's unconditional love. She got it. This is the answer. I've looked here and I've looked there at this, you know, doctrine and that and this, you know, spirituality and this other, but it's unconditional love. This is that thing I've always been looking for. It's the thing we're always all been looking for. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us first, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is not your own doing. It is the gift, the free gift of God. Because forever and forever and forever, (laughs) we are alive together with Christ. He adores you. He wants to be with you always. His grace really is sufficient for us. His power is made perfect in our weakness, in our mess. He will make, He's the one makes it perfect.